Strokeside Designs is a New York-based fine jewelry company focused on water sports. This is the best jewelry I have found through many years of searching. I love my Dragon Boat Paddle Heart earrings and my pendant. The jewelers at Strokeside Designs have worked for famous jewelry houses such as Tiffany & Company and Cartier. All of the pieces are hand-finished from fine materials. Express your passion for kayaking, canoeing, and dragon boating. Visit PaddleJewelry.com and get free shipping with the code PINK. That is PaddleJewelry.com and enter the code PINK. Are you a dragon boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon fiber dragon boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the dragon boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Dr. Francis from the UPMC Hellman Cancer Center Wellness and Integrative Oncology Program in Pittsburgh, PA. Dr. Francis has poured herself into creating a holistic and integrative program for cancer survivors at all stages of treatment and survivorship. She provides the details of the programs offered, the approach to working with patients, how people can get involved and support the program, as well as her vision for the future. Take a listen in. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Dr. Francis. She is a board-certified hematology, medical oncology, and internal medicine. She received an undergraduate degree from Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, and earned her medical degree at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. She completed her residency in internal medicine at George Washington University Medical Center in Washington, D.C. That's my alum. And fellowshiped in hematology and oncology at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So currently you're working at the UPMC Hillman Center. And yes. you have a program that you really are the mastermind behind, and it is the Wellness and Integrative Oncology Program. So I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, what, what it was that got you kind of fired up to start this program, because I used to be a Hellman patient, and when I was there, seems like forever ago, we did not have this, but I think this mm -hmm. is fantastic. So I would really love to, you know, kind of get an idea of what what you felt like was missing that you started this program. Definitely. Um, well, I think there's kind of two main parts to that story. The first is that I always really believed in the importance of lifestyle for general kind of health and happiness. So by that, I mean, I, 
did yoga from a very early age. I thought a lot about stress management and sleep. I cared about what I ate. I cared about how happy my life was. And this was kind of through the kind of rigors of medical school and residency and just life in general. It just always was something that mattered to me. Um, which seems kind of common sense, but it, it kind of isn't really, although now it's a lot more accepted and talked about. Um, and so when I finished my oncology training and I was out in the world practicing, it always seemed very commonplace and common sense for me to say to patients, well, you know, what are you eating? And have you tried breathing exercises for when you feel anxious? Or have you thought about your recovery before you go into surgery? Um, what's your support system like? Things like that that are, you know, clearly a part of medical care in like a very preordained, this is your social history. This is when you ask about support systems. But like, to me, um, it was, it was really just a part of how I thought, which, you know, I've kind of realized in retrospect is because I have always thought much more holistically about everything in medicine, even in medical school, I'd go through these really complex anatomy classes or physiology classes. I can remember one that was like on the pulmonary system. And I remember like finishing that unit up as a second year medical student and being like, I still don't know why the hell we cough you know, and, and, and how can I have like gone through this like eight week block on pulmonary medicine and not understand why we cough. So, you know, I think all throughout my education, I was like always trying to like think big picture, think how things coordinated and worked together. And so then when I was in practice, that all culminated in this notion of like lifestyle is health. Wellness is illness is they're all kind of merged together when you're trying to treat and recover from illness, no matter how severe. So, so that was just sort of how I thought. And what I really realized was a part of how I wanted to practice oncology. Um, and so my early practice was a lot of printing things off the internet. Oh, try this yoga studio. Oh, this is what, um, you know, this is what an antioxidant is just sort of like talking and like kind of crumbling together resources, which is tricky when you're trying to learn how to be an oncologist and you have a busy practice. So it was always a challenge, but I cared a lot about it and I really loved it. So well, I love that. that. So I, I have a yeah. quick question for you. So, yeah. you know, you talk about all of these different things that you, you ask, right. And I can tell you, you know, I'm, I'm 12 years out from my initial diagnosis and I love my doctors. Um, so let me kind of start that first. And, mm -hmm. but there weren't those questions. Um, yeah. You know, nobody was asking me like, you know, are you doing anything that is supporting your body so that when you do go into surgery that you have a faster recovery? You mm -hmm. know, those conversations weren't happening. So do you find that a lot of people had answers to that or were there a lot of people who were like, no, I haven't done that and I hadn't even thought about it? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it was more, uh, I, I mean, I think what I've realized now is that it's almost not fair to ask people that because they feel like, how would I know that they're really looking for direction from, especially with cancer, yes. they're really looking for direction from their oncology team. And so not only are they overwhelmed by kind of all the medical things that they have to do and all the appointments, but they're really scared to do anything that's outside of what their doctors tell them for so many reasons. And so I think I've really shifted that. And now 
it's a bit different because I kind of have like a captive audience because we're out there and patients are really coming to us asking these questions because they know we're there. And also a lot of the physicians have come to really respect and support what we're doing. So they send patients to us to say, can you do this? Can you help with this? Um, but, but I, I think that it was, it was more of like an inquiry that led me to that point when I was asking those questions with patients and a lot less about than having the answers more like rhetorical that I was realizing that this wasn't out there. Um, and almost like having a conversation with myself and with my patients about the, the, the lack, and I don't want to be negative. And I know, and I, when a lot of patients see me, they start out by saying, I love my doctors. They don't want to, and, and I get that. And like, there's so many different kinds of doctoring that are necessary, but you know, I, I try really, Really hard not to be um, negative about what's not there in how I talk about what we are bringing there because there's so many reasons for culture and institutional limitations. Um, and, and I just, I, I don't want to be, you know, I yeah. don't want to be like shit talking anybody because it's so complicated. Right. And I would, yeah. And I totally agree with that. And I think that's why we all typically start with, well, I love my doctor, you know, <laughs> but yeah. I've yeah. always said that, you know, for the most part, the training that takes place for medical doctors is medical treatment. And so it's not adding in all of those other components that, you know, the social, emotional, the physical, you know, that that well-being part of it. You know, they just, here's cancer, this is how we fix it. And that's the way that they're trained. So, you know, I love that there has been this shift, though, to really take a holistic view of being able to treat cancer patients because it's important. It's so important. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just so much more that happens to a person than Mm -hmm. just the surgeries and and all of that stuff. So much more. And that's not even to open up the door of like prevention, prevention from recurrence, prevention from other cancer, prevention from other chronic diseases that comes from having this kind of philosophy about lifestyle and whole personness that, 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 you know, that people are starting to embrace. Right. So tell me a little bit about the different programs that you offer. So there is well, first of all, there is a physical wellness suite within the Hellman Cancer Center, correct? Correct. Yes. What floor is that on? So that's on the third floor of the Hillman. Okay. Um, and it's it's right kind of next to and within the cancer clinics and the treatment rooms, which is really, really nice for people. It, it's um it's Right now, and I, I say that because we are recently talking about a big ex- expansion, which is super exciting. But I right know. now, I saw the post yeah, on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But right now, it's um, a space for me to see consultations. So, like a kind of welcoming non medical room um, where I talk to patients about their cancer, their diagnosis, their treatment, their goals with this more holistic approach. And it's typically pretty symptom-based, at least initially, um, and put together some conceptual framework for how to think about holistic and integrative care. And then in that same space, we have two treatment rooms. Um, Each is kind of identical and able to offer 
acupuncture or massage or one-on-one yoga or meditation or exercise and resistance training. Um, and then we have kind of an open area with a lot of educational resources. We have a small little juice bar where we have uh, fresh juice available. We have a little aromatherapy corner with tons of different essential oils for people to try out. We have a bunch of resources for um, children. We have sort of holistic resources for them with oils for them and books for them, but also resources on how to talk to um, your, your children about cancer Um, we have resources on how to incorporate your yoga practice into home. We have resources on smoking cessation, medical marijuana, and these are all really, really vetted, really, really patient resources. So they're not just kind of like crap pamphlets from wherever they're like, we've taken everything, we've branded it, we've tried it out and tested it. We are using language that we've kind of worked through and practiced. Um, so it's kind of become this, I think like clubhouse for a lot of the things that are missing in supportive care, um, and tried to bring it together in one space. I think so that's, that's great. That's the wellness suite. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's like, you just kept going on all of the different things and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, wow, wow. In my head, not out loud, but yeah. you know, not to interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so, you know, when you have this consultation, so somebody mm-hmm. comes in and they're a cancer survivor and you have this consultation, do you create like an individualized like care plan for them? You know, because maybe some people have certain symptoms, but then other people don't have those same symptoms. So is it really kind of individualized? Very, very. So, and and these can be, these are patients that could be newly diagnosed in active therapy, survivors. These are, can even be people with kind of stage four terminal disease that are looking for ways to manage end of life existentialism or symptoms. So it's really across the spectrum of really all patients with cancer. And um, it's very individualized. It starts out with a pretty simple intake form just to focus on goals and symptoms. And then a lot of people might have questions that they kind of from the get-go want to get into about diet or supplements. Um, But usually I look at their symptoms and what's going on with them and make some suggestions about whether or not any of the modalities we have to offer would help in the short term or the long term. And so a typical um, kind of a a typical trajectory would be someone comes in for their initial visit. And even before that, we have, um, like an intake coordinator who calls to reach out to explain the program. Um, I think, and you might have some thoughts on this, but a lot of times when you're in the midst of cancer, you're being kind of told to go to a lot of places, appointments are being set up for you. And I think especially with supportive care, um, when patients are struggling, their oncologist might send them to like psychology and palliative care and integrated, and they don't even know where the hell they're going. Right. And so a, a lot of times we're seeing patients that have been like, you know, um, 
I mean, I always like sometimes there are patients who maybe cried with their doctor or said they couldn't sleep with their doctor or said they liked yoga. We always say they're like they have integrative tendencies, but like the doctor is like kind of throwing them to a lot of different places. So we start by saying like, this is what we are. This is who we are. This is what our program's like. This is what you can expect. And then we have a nurse who reaches out to kind of see in the here and now what they could be doing. We have a meditation app that she'll walk them through. She'll sometimes hook them up before they see me with the dietitian if that's their goal. So we have these two steps already of like very patient-centered triage even before they come to see me. Um, and that's helpful not just so patients know expectations and know what they're getting into, but also so that when I'm seeing them, I already kind of have a lot of information about what they're looking for. So we're trying to make this interaction that they have really, really productive. Um, and having said that, we have a whole hour of time that we block off. So wow. that's pretty unique in like medical care in general, but in oncology where my typical appointments are 15 minutes. And so we have this whole kind of long preamble, then we have a lot of information that we get even before that, and then we're kind of talking about their symptoms. So so, so usually that first visit, like for example, someone might have neuropathy and insomnia as their predominant symptoms. We talk about that and then maybe I'll recommend acupuncture for the neuropathy and we'll talk a little bit about um, you know, guided meditation and yoga nidra for sleep along with medical marijuana. And the next step is that we offer everyone the opportunity to try three of our sessions at no cost, mm -hmm. um, just, just so they can sort of be there, for example, be on the table and feel what it's like to have acupuncture right. or travel from, you know, 40 minutes outside of Pittsburgh and see, is a, is a massage even relaxing when I have to do that, you know, <laughs> or come in for yoga and maybe realize that that was all they needed because they have a great yoga class that they take in their community. So the three sessions may, may be all that people need. They may kind of parcel them out over time, or they might do three acupunctures in a row to see if they get response. But I'm really trying to help um, guide that kind of introduction into what we're trying to do. Um, and then usually after those three sessions, whatever they do, and I kind of make suggestions, then our nurse meets with them again, goes through how everything went. And that's when we kind of put together more of a long-term plan. So we might say, okay, the massage really helped ground you and decrease your anxiety. Maybe you should come in for a massage before your scans every three months. And you're really getting somewhere with acupuncture for your hot flashes. We find that if you come in monthly, that cumulative effect of acupuncture keeps your symptoms at bay. So that's kind of where the next step of trying to say, how, how can we make this a part of your life comes in? I love, I love that it's so individualized. So there were, first of all, so many thoughts running through my head as you were talking. <laughs> um, one of them was, do you wear a cape? Because, <laughs> I mean, really, I'm thinking about, you know, I, I, I've been in the world of breast cancer for so long that I know that you're all strapped for time. You know, it's, yeah. it's a sad reality. Um, you know, I know that you all would prefer not to be as busy, but, you know, it is just kind of what it is. And so, you know, I'm thinking she's seeing her regular patients. And then on top of this, she's doing these one hour long consultations to create these individualized plans. She's got to be wearing a cape <laughs> um, because I don't know how you I do mean, it. 
So I just, it's funny. I mean, I, I always say, so the other part of the story from the beginning of how I got into this was, you know, I had these, this belief system, but when I was in, I think my fourth year of practice, my mother who had a longstanding lymphoma that had been well controlled for a long time, her lymphoma got very aggressive. She was treated at the Hillman cancer center by my boss basically. And she ended up passing away pretty quickly. Um, in the midst of this, I was pregnant and then I just had my third child. I was like trying to start my practice at the Hillman and it was a difficult, difficult time, of course, for my mother and our family and for me. Um, but I, I got really, um, I got to see with like this firsthand at the front line, how many hours of the day people are struggling and on their own and without resources and that the doctoring that's happening, that's maybe one half an hour of every three weeks is like the tip of the iceberg. And that in my opinion, to build any sustainable way of managing the implications of this disease, we needed to start to bring this in more systemically and more deliberately. So it was like as if I had this crazy battery pack of like intensity and emotion around this goal as this was happening with my mom. And as I was realizing how important it was for me to kind of be there with her and thinking about how much more understanding our whole family could have had if she'd had a little bit more awareness and holistic guidance during her treatment. So it was like this crazy, I mean, I call it my battery pack. You're calling it my cape, but it's like this (laughs) freaky, freaky, crazy energy that I have around this that like so far has not petered out because it's like, to me, it's like magic. It just like makes me go. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and to hear that backstory, right? Like I always feel like there's some story that sits behind almost everything that we do and that's powerful, you know, and, and, you know, I would imagine that part of this too is, you know, creating kind of that legacy, if you will. I mean, there are so many different legacies that your mom would have, but, you know, I'm sure that within your heart, as you're doing all of these things for so many other people, you know, that she's sitting there with you um, just because, she didn't have these things. So you want to make that difference for, for other people. So I think that's fantastic. Um, and then there was something else that you had talked about where, you know, doctors are kind of shuffling you here and they're shuffling you there. And, and I can totally relate to that. And I, it was really, it was just like the world around me was spinning and I was standing still and I couldn't get the world to slow down enough to be able to figure out where to go. Like it was just, going in every direction. And I remember, um, you know, I was referred out to a counselor and I was referred out to a nutritionist and they, I'm sure that they were well-intentioned, but they were less than helpful. Um, you know, the counselor looked at me and she said, I think you're depressed. And I thought, yeah, no shit. I have cancer (laughs) and I'm 31. What would you like me to be doing? And then, yeah. um, and then she also told me that I had an eating disorder, which I laughed at her for. But, um, and then the nutritionist really, you know, I called and I said, you know, I've been vegetarian for so long, you know, help me. What can I do to support yeah. my body? And she said, eat more fruits and vegetables. And I said, well, I mean, that's a lot of what I eat. So yeah. <laughs> I don't really know. So, you know, I, I hear, I've heard a lot of those same stories. So to have a space where, 
it's really mindful and really intentional, I think is fantastic. So how would somebody, like, how are people coming to you? I've heard, I heard you say, you know, kind of at the beginning before we were um, recording that, you know, um, or maybe during the recording, I don't remember, but just that doctors are now sending patients over to you. But if doctors are not yet there, how else are people hearing about um, this program? Definitely. So um, one thing that we've created, which has been really exciting and also helps us get the right patients to us, is we have a program called the Nurse Ambassador Program that's really unique where we train oncology nurses in symptom management at the bedside or the chair side. They're taught aromatherapy techniques, hand foot massage, guided meditation, and some seated yoga that also has has kind of a symptom focus. And then they are out in the world and sort of operationalized by their unique, unique team to be helping cancer patients. So we have a slew of them at the Hillman Cancer Center now that may be rounding in the treatment rooms during treatment and may see a patient that the treatment nurse or the charge nurse says, this patient's really interested, or this patient's having really persistent nausea, or this patient doesn't like taking medications. The nurse ambassadors take shifts and can go and round and address these patients. Then they're also now in the inpatient setting, bone marrow transplant, our solid tumor service, they're at Children's, they're at McGee, and in each different setting, their unit director or their leadership helps determine how they can work with patients. And so these are kind of literally ambassadors. They are kind of built in with kind of the correct information about our program and with the ability to kind of get the right patients in to see me. And they're also doing so much at the bedside. And even cooler is like they are loving it. It's become this great way to create a ladder for nurse leadership and empowerment. And they're being suddenly able to use typical nursing skills that maybe have gotten lost in how busy treatment nurses can be just kind of pushing chemo. Um, So we now have 80 nurse ambassadors throughout the UPMC system. They're trained by our team. I do a large part of the training, as do our massage and aromatherapy and all of our trainees. We keep adding more to the puzzle. We're doing now kind of a unit on hospitality and how to be patient-centered, how to deal with difficulty, how to deal with self-care. So it's really exploding with, again, this holistic approach to the people that take care of people with cancer also have to take care of themselves. And then they also have to find meaning in what they do so that this can all move forward. So, so that was a long winded way of saying that a lot of our patients are coming to us through the nurse ambassadors because they'll meet with them and then they'll kind of see that patients want more, have new needs and can kind of refer them into the program. Um, Did I see that you're kind of crossing lines as well, where there are some nurses who are not UPMC that are also getting trained? So we're trying now, this is our our upcoming training in February is the first time that we're able to offer it for non-UPMC nurses, which is super exciting to me because I... All, all I want is to bring this, you know, sort of, we, we've found some really great models that work and I just want to help other institutions use it. And so it's super exciting that we're able to do that now. And I'm just kind of excited to see how that goes. Um, 
and, and that training is in February. So we'll see, you know, I mean, the sky's the limit. Well, I think that's really exciting, you know, to be able to take nurses from other organizations and be able to bring them in and give them this training because I, you know, my doctors were so crucial in so many aspects of my treatment, but I will tell you that my nurses Mm -hmm. served a different role. And, you know, they were really my emotional support. I can't tell you the number of times that, you know, one of my nurses at my plastic surgeon's office, Judy, the number of times that she just came out, as soon as she saw me coming in, she knew what was going to happen. You know, I would sit down and I would just start crying and I couldn't control Mm. it. Like it was just that emotional. And she would come over and she would, you know, put her arm around me and she would have tissues and, you know, she would just talk to me and just kind of ease me through that appointment. So they are so important in all of this. And, you know, it's being able to take that extra step to let patients know that they do care and, you know, being able to teach them some things like, you know, let's let's breathe together or, you know, let's try this little hand massage or, you know, look, if somebody was like, I'll give you a foot massage, I would never have said no. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, So yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I think what we've learned is, you know, the, the, a lot of people will say, what's the evidence here or a lot of curriculums around integrative medicine are built on teaching people about the evidence and that's all good and fine. And I understand that it really does need to be um, deliberate and focused and based on real things and have a level of science to it. But that is the easy part. I mean, and, and there's evidence for pretty much every modality out there. It's really just a risk benefit and how many other things you want going on in your system. If you want to try something like Reiki or acupuncture or yoga, but what is the hard part is to take an institution, a conventional medical rigorous institution and try to bring this in in a way that works for the institution and the physicians and all of these needs of the patients and staff. And I think that's where we've been able to kind of really use strategy and be smart and and say, of course, we could easily teach a nurse how to do a foot massage, but we have created an application system where their unit director has to kind of suggest, you know, the two or three people that they think have the ability to multitask this way. And the leadership support has to provide payment so that the three extra hours when the nurse ambassadors are rounding are covered by other nurses. And we need a cost center for a pickle phone and the oils. Like it's, it's all of this stuff that just takes a whole other approach to, and and this level of pushing. Um, Cause that's where, you know, I feel like I'm constantly pushing and emailing and gently and kindly and diplomatically and sometimes not so gently or diplomatically just being like, can we please move this along? Because there's always that challenge of, of needing to push things along. So, well, and one of the things too, that I hear so often from cancer survivors, especially those of us that, um, you know, I, I think we are coming into a time where we're realizing that there is the need for holistic and integrative care, that we cannot forget about the other components that are a part of the person. And so, you know, many of us have not had this experience. And oftentimes, we just kind of hear that certain things are left out in the care of cancer survivors. 
And one of the big parts of that is the aftercare. So mm-hmm. is there anything within the program? Um, you know, I know that you've talked about like, you know, people who are currently in treatment, people who are survivors, um, you know, that definition is kind of different depending on, you know, the person, the philosophy, whatever. But, you know, is there a program then for aftercare for these individuals? So, you know, there's been so many different ways that institutions have tried to put this together. You know, there was like so much excitement and hype around survivorship with the Lance Armstrong and the Live Strong um, organization. And I, I, I sort of feel like it got a little bit lost in some of the economics of, of cancer medicine and whether or not things were reimbursed and lucrative to cancer centers and how to create survivorship centers that let the oncologist keep billing. And that's kind of the dirty underbelly, to be perfectly honest. Um, But I think that like it it hasn't quite taken in terms of like survivorship, in my opinion, um, for a lot of reasons. But I think that I that's why I sort of think this integrative strategy about lifestyle is more the answer because you are learning how to live um, and the medicine is kind of baked into it, whether it's that you need to have your thyroid checked or you need to have a certain type of cardiovascular testing after your chemo. Um, I think we should start with the lifestyle medicine and bake in the medical (laughs) for survivorship care. Um, I agree. Because I think that also helps us say that you're okay. You survived. Like you're, we're going to sort of take this, sort of shroud of sickness and cancer away from you and kind of be as positive as we can that you're like back on the front end of this. Um, So if I had to redesign cancer survivorship care, I would want it to all exist within sort of a, a lifestyle medicine focus. And then I would have nurse practitioners or PAs coming in to make sure that all the medical needs were being met as opposed to the opposite. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question or creates more or is a total tangent, but that that's what I would want. No, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I don't think that we're quite there yet. I think there's a, there's definitely a need for improvement. Um, you know, many times cancer survivors are just kind of left out. They're hanging on their own. Um, and I've met some who are 12 years out and they are still struggling with different aspects of either their treatment or just the social and emotional piece of it. Yeah. And they can't find any support. So, you know, we oftentimes like, and I heard this personally myself, you know, somebody had said to me, you know, Melissa, give it a year and everything will be back to normal. And if I could remember who that person was, I probably, probably would smack them in the forehead (laughs) and just say, (laughs) no, (laughs) that is not the reality of it. Um, You know, but there's kind of that expectation, I suppose, or that um, flawed thinking that once all of that stuff is done and the surgeries are taken care of and, you know, medically we're back in a position of being okay, that things will return to normal, but nothing ever does. Like it never returns to normal. And we're just kind of left feeling like, where do we go from here? What do we do? How do we access support? So, you know, I love the fact that this is open. So if say a, say a cancer survivor who is, I don't know, 12 years out, like myself comes Mm -hmm. in and says, 
I would love to be a part of this program. That is an option for them. Oh, totally. I see people that are five, 10 years out all the time, okay. all the time. And now it's cool because I'm starting to see people whose PCPs send them, you know, because they've sort of graduated and they're not even within the cancer center, but they hear about us and, and they get in touch and, and they come over. So I think it's complete because, you know, we do the same thing. We talk about their cancer history. We talk about their symptoms. We talk about what kind of lifestyle things they're doing. We create a care plan. They try stuff. Then we tweak it. I mean, it's the same concept. It's just, they've had more years under their belt, more experience and sometimes more time for stuff to build up, you know, and have difficulties figuring out how to process or manage. So um, it's completely appropriate, completely. Okay. And then, the other thing that you talked about is um, kind of the cost of this. So is this usually yeah. something that is out of pocket for the patient? Are insurance companies kind of getting on board with this to be able to support this program for survivors? I mean, I think definitely we're moving in a positive direction. Um, what The way we're set up is nice because their appointments with me are covered like a medical oncology visit because it is a medical oncology visit. And then we do the fundraising so everyone can try things, which helps people quite a bit, not only because it lets them have um, free service, but they can also start to decide where their money can be spent because um, we keep our prices as low as possible with the best possible integrative care with the hope that it's worth it to people to invest in their health. And that's not ideal, but I don't think having insurance cover everything is ideal either because it creates a sense of accountability for people that allows them to decide what's worth it. Lifestyle, exercise, nutrition, these things take work. And so part of that process creates some accountability. So with that being said, those are sort of the things we're doing on our end. There has been some progress, at least regionally for us, for coverage of acupuncture. Um, That's really the only thing that we see any coverage for. And within that, it's pretty um, flawed in my opinion, in the sense that first of all, it's like, you can never tell if it's going to be covered or not covered. And it seems like every time I figure out the rules, it's different. So (laughs) there's that. Um, but also it's kind of going back to that really narrow focus because it will be like, okay, acupuncture can be covered. If you have a physician acupuncturist and you have chemotherapy induced nausea or vomiting and five sessions of, of acupuncture is covered. It's just, it's a, a base on the way coverage and insurance works. Whereas for us, we're kind of flipping that model and we're saying, you know, an oncologist is seeing you and making these recommendations that are all kind of intertwined and all typically based on a cluster of symptoms more or less. And so it's a narrow model for a holistic approach. And so I would love to see insurance say, we believe in integrative care it creates less pharmaceuticals and potentially less complications. It helps people stay on treatment. We're going to provide a thousand dollars towards integrative care that your oncologist, you know, your integrative oncologist recommends and happens under your roof for one year for every new cancer patient and 500 for every survivorship. I would like to see a model that's a little bit more 
outcome-based, responsive, and truly holistic. So, you know, we're trying to build the case for that by having this program and documenting everything we're doing and documenting all the outcomes and the numbers so that like I can eventually walk in with like 13 accordion folders. I mean, it would be more, it would <laughs> be sure. more technologic <laughs> than that but, and basically say, here's my pitch. This is what, what this insurance company should pilot. And then we can kind of branch out from that. Um, but you know, I do think, you know, insurance companies are covering gym memberships. They're talking about prescriptions for fruits and vegetables. They're talking about food service at hospital discharge for diabetic patients. There's all sorts of little pieces that are starting to move the needle, but uh, I still think philosophically, we need to kind of think a little bit out of the box. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, it's, in my opinion, you know, and anybody can take it for what it's worth, um, you know, but in my opinion, I think there are certain things that it would be nice if it could be helped with, you know, like yeah, I think about chiropractic care, you know, yep. why can I not be seen by a chiropractor um, as a preventative measure? You know, I feel yeah. so much better when I go to see my chiropractor or, you know, just some of those other things that maybe it's not covered completely, but, you know, kind of help with it. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. And, you know, I think about the people that don't have the financial means, you know, how do they access these kinds of things? Um, you know, so that kind of leads me to, are there any scholarship programs or anything that are offered? Or is that something that's been kind of considered, talked about? Definitely, definitely. So we have kind of, um, kind of extension packages of the complimentary demonstrations that we will, if a patient is really um, benefiting and it's making a big difference for them and they don't have the means and they have this rapport and relationship, then we will kind of extend those packages. And it's nothing super uh, formalized, but we, we do do that because we think it's important. We would love to do more of that. It gets complicated with uh, with legal, believe it or not, in terms of like giving away free services and how that can be interpreted. Sure. So it's more complicated than you would hope. Um, but but we try to do that as much as we can. We also are trying um, to think again about other models to make things less expensive. And our new space is going to have larger group space for things like acupuncture, for yoga classes, for meditation classes, for nutrition workshops. And that's going to open up the possibility that these services could be free or less because they'll be kind of community offerings. So that's kind of where we're at in terms of thinking about it is maybe not waiting for insurance companies, but just starting to come up with some more of our own solutions. Yeah. Well, and so one more thing I, I should have actually asked this earlier, but when did this open? Yeah. So the wellness suite opened in 2016. 16. Okay. So we've been operating for about three years. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's been, I mean, since the doors opened, it's been like packed really. I'm sure. I'm sure people have been looking for this stuff. Um, yeah. whether they have told you that or not, I can tell you <laughs> that there are yeah. many people that have been looking for this. So, um, yeah. kind of before we wrap it up, I, I honestly, I feel like I could have a conversation with you for hours, um, you know, about this, because I think it's so important and it's exciting. Um, and so 
If there are people who want to get involved, um, you know, I know that you talked about fundraising. Are there regular fundraising events that are happening? Are you accepting monetary donations? Can people volunteer their time? So how do people get involved? Definitely. That's a great question. So, um, so first of all, I mean, the, the volunteer program at the Hillman Cancer Center is really robust and they don't do anything specifically with us, but they're kind of around and helping with the nurse ambassadors and some of the other programs that we do. We're always interested in, um, kind of third party fundraisers. If people want to have an exercise class or, you know, sponsor a happy hour or we kind of have a toolkit for people so they can reach out to us either through Instagram, which we'll go through and we can do all of our handles. Um, But basically we love when people kind of want to have their own third party fundraisers. People can also donate directly to UPMC home and cancer center and memo it on the check or um, sidebar it for integrative oncology. Then the money will come to us and we mostly use that money for free services for people. So that's a great way to be a part of it. We have one big fundraiser every year It's called um, Breathing Room, and it's gone through a lot of different iterations, but it's coming up this year in May, um, and it's going to be a Bar Marco, and it's going to be just a lovely dinner, and that's something that we'll have um, a lot of information about on the website and on social media so that people can register and anyone can come. And so those are the main ways that people can support us. Awesome. And then, um, so I w- the next part I was going to talk about is the um, handles for social media that you utilize. Yes. So if our listeners want to follow, uh, where should they go? So our Instagram is our main place that we're trying to build for announcements and everything. And that's at UPMC Cancer Wellness. Um, So check us out and we're trying to really build that, get more people involved, tell more stories, show more of what's going on in the suite. Um, And I'm just trying to make sure that I said the right thing. You did. (laughs) I double checked it. Good, 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 good. Thank you. Um, So that's the main place. And then our website um, has pretty good updated information information. It's like not always in real time because we have to go through a lot of steps to get our website updated, but that's, um, hillman.upmc.com and then backslash cancer hyphen care backslash integrative hyphen oncology. But if you were to just put in UPMC integrative oncology, that will get you there. And our website has how to contact us. It has a really nice Um, frequently asked question and glossary about terms. It talks about our nurse ambassador program. um, And it also talks about how to get involved, all the things that we talked about with breathing room and volunteering your time. So those are kind of the best ways to get the right information. Awesome. Well, I am so excited about this, Um, almost so excited that I would consider moving back to Pittsburgh if it were not cold there. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, if you come to visit, please come visit us. Oh, We'd love to show you around. Yes, especially I, with the expansion coming up. Absolutely, I will be back home in Pittsburgh in August. So this nice. is absolutely on my list to come and see because mm-hmm. I I think this is amazing. Um, are there any? You know, I know that you're just kind of getting this going in Pittsburgh, but do you have a vision of this really kind of 
snowballing and taking off um, so that this is available to all patients um, kind of across the states? Yeah, I mean, I think, I really think, because the way that we have progressed this process, we started with some educational workshops and then we built our consult service and then we got our space and then we created the nurse ambassador program and now we're getting our larger space and in the midst of all that we've done a lot with hr and supply chain and legal i think we have the tools to show really any institution or even doctor's office or, you know, oncology infusion site, I think we have a way to personalize integrative oncology to really any center. So uh, my hope for the future is that we can be a part of kind of consulting with other, you know, rigorous conventional medical centers that want to say, how can I bring integrative oncology? And it might start with a aromatherapy corner and a nurse ambassador in a small rural practice and then build into something more. But I think there's a way to do this for nearly every practice. So my hope is that the structure that we've created um, with the support of UPMC and our leadership will be able to kind of take that uh, and help other, other places build it. I love it. I love it. I just, I am in awe of you. Um, and I know that you don't do this to have people tell you <laughs> that they are in awe of you, I'm sure. Um, but I am genuinely so excited that there are people out there like you who are really just leading the way and, um, you know, taking what you know is important and what you have experienced in the past and allowing that to guide you to make things better for people in the future. Thank you. Yeah, so I am so excited that you were a part of the podcast. Um, I can't wait to hear all of the exciting things that come, especially with the new wellness suite um, once that's uh, ready to go. But again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and spending your time with me. Thank you, Melissa. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at BehindThePinkRibbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.